Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Irene Blog Talk Radio Show. With your host and creator, Minister Annie Bell, the founder and executive director of Wealth Management Ministries Incorporated. We are providing talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas. Please enjoy the show. Hello, hello again. Good evening to you, my friends. Welcome to Irene Blog Talk Radio Show. And you know who I am. I'm Minister Annie Bell, the host and creator of Irene Blog Talk Radio Show, which is an outreach of Wealth Management Ministries Incorporated. Now, we here on this show, what we endeavor to do is to bring talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas. We want to also provide awareness, prevention, and give resources to the community to stop these atrocities. Tonight is a very special night, and I say that all the time, I know, because I get so excited about what we're doing here. But uh, the title, the topic of our show tonight is Victim to Victor. Now, in the, in the intro of my book, uh, I Reign, A Survivor's Guide to Thrive, I discuss the fact that a person cannot have victory unless there is first a battle or a war. But hallelujah for the two-letter word, T-O, two. I preached a word entitled the same, victim to victor. And the word T-O, two, is a very small word that is a bridge between A and B. It expresses motion or direction towards a point a person, place, or thing. It denotes a journey in that very small word. It details uh, a story of a person, their transition. It is not stagnant. It's emotion. You may have been victimized in the past, but you do not have to remain a victim. The word to denotes your deliverance. Wow. T-O. I will never look at that small two-letter word the same again, and neither will my guest, Rebecca Begay. I have been waiting with anticipation to have her on my show since the first time I was introduced to her. Her two story is a beautiful testimony about God and the human spirit. So 
without further ado, please welcome Rebecca Begay to our studio. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi. Hello. <laughs> now, she's calling us all the way from Colorado, Montana. right? Montana. No, Montana. Montana. Yeah. Montana, okay. <laughs> uh, all I know is it's cold out there. I hear it's um, it was 23, de- 23 degrees at noon, I believe. So I don't know what it is at this point. Um, but we were just talking about, you think it's, oh, it's, sorry. A, it's okay. Oh, six degrees <laughs> right now. How, 15? Uh, no, six. It's, uh, six. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That just blows my mind. Um, I'm so glad that you, uh, even though it's cold outside and everything that you took time to be with us today. Um, and I always want to make sure that our, our listening audience gets to bond with you. And so if you could tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, well, I am a mom of three. I'm a military wife. Uh, my husband serves in the Air National Guard. Um, I love to just mentor people, be there for people, and to serve. Um, of course, I love the Lord. Um, I also am going to be a graduate of of ministry this month, which is a blessing and amazing to be able to say that. Yay! Um, yeah, just excited to see what God has planned in my life and that, you know, from where I came from and what's gone on in my life that I am able to say that I'm still here and ready to fight that battle of whatever he wants me to fight. Amen. You know, you, you gotta, when you start talking uh, warrior stuff, I get real excited so welcome to the army of the Lord. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely one that's, a, you know, pull out your plowshares and whip them into swords and let's get to fighting um, because we, we got a lot to fight for, you know. Um, so thank you and congratulations. And it sounds like you have a wonderful family. Um, let's go ahead and get into the nitty gritty. So they used to say back in the old days, um, so you were a runaway at the age of 13. Uh, what was the catalyst that made you run away from home? Well, growing up where I, um, in my family, wasn't that easy. My dad suffered from postpartum depression, I mean, not post from depression and from schizophrenia. He had some, some diseases that he just fought throughout his life, and he was abused as a a younger boy. So the wrath of what happened to him as a younger boy came as a ripple effect in my life and in my siblings' life. So we were very abused growing up. So he had told me one time that stuck with me for years is that if I were to ever tell anybody the things that he was doing, that I would hurt um, my family's lives and that my whole world would change. Mm. And I believed him for years. And so I finally, um, after so many years of just living that lifestyle and being quiet and not saying what he had done, which is sexual abuse, he physically abused us and um, emotionally abused us as well. So growing up with that lifestyle, you tend to be very quiet on things. And I decided one day that I wasn't going to be quiet anymore and that I was going to tell my mom. And I told her and... I don't think my mom knew at that time how to handle it. So Mm -hmm. it was more of a negative outcome than it was a positive. So what my father had told me 
was I was going to ruin the lives of people. Mm. So when that had happened and my world came upside down and things started whirling out of like just going crazy in our family, I took it in my own best interest that I didn't, and I, that I wasn't supposed to be a part of that family anymore. Mm. Wow. Well, I found what would be uh, at that time, a man who showed me what a game life was like. So he initiated me into the game, which most of the time when you get initiated into the game, you're either beat or you're raped. Mm-hmm. And I was raped. Wow. So yeah. I was a part of that gang and did the gang life for about eight months. And then he actually was murdered. Um, I ran and found some people. They took me in and they were the biggest blessings, but I didn't know how to be that blessing back. So mm-hmm. I ruined that bridge and then I was on the streets. So, so from let me ask you a question. 13, so um, at the age of 13, you said life kind of, after you told your mother um, about the sexual abuse, um, she knew about the physical abuse of the rest of the kids or? Well, that's the thing. My mom, she was always working and always doing things. I mean, I think that she knew that my dad was not right in the head because their marriage wasn't always, you know, dandy. I mean, that's why they divorced. So Mm -hmm. I just, I really, you know, I tried to ask my mom that question a long time ago and it just seemed that, you know, you pick and choose your battles. And that was one Mm -hmm. I just didn't decide to pick. So I've just learned to forgive her and the decisions that she made Mm -hmm. and just know that, you know, we all make mistakes in life. And that was one that I know that she regrets is not knowing all the full details of what he did. So that's kind of where it lies now. So it's kind of like water under a bridge where I just don't bring it up and, you know, people need to be forgiven for it. So I just have learned. exactly true. And it's, it's sad because there are some, some mothers who enable, but there are others who just don't know what to do with the situation. And, um, and like you said, you know, it's a lot of times because it wasn't something that, uh, that was talked about, um, when it did come, you know, come up, they didn't know what to do. And so, uh, I think you did the right thing to choose to forgive and, uh, not just your mom, but also your dad. So that's a big deal. And so you ran away and then you were, uh, introduced into the gang life and in the gang life to be initiated in, you had to, like you said, either get beaten up or raped. And, uh, you said when you were raped, was it raped by just one person or was it then raped by the entire gang? That's you're raped by the entire gang. So mm-hmm. every man that was a part of that gang would actually have a piece of who you are. So that was the first mm-hmm. time that I ever actually felt the beaten, battered part of my life of this mm-hmm. was all I could do. So you can kind of say that sex has always been a part of my life since I was five. Wow. So I was already trained to not care. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you were to go back into the full story of what my dad did, my dad wasn't the perfect father. So we saw a lot with what he did after my mom and him divorced. So really, I just became numb to that, to that fact of my life was, Mm -hmm. this is what men do. And this is what I have to live by. And 
I just sucked it up and dealt with it. And the after effect of it was horrible. But then again, I just started doing drugs and to numb the pain. So, mm-hmm. And that, again, is, you know, when you look at the percentages of how many addicts are, were actually um, suffered, had uh, actually suffered trauma, some type of trauma, the, the, uh, mostly sexual abuse, it's around 89 to 95% of, um, mm-hmm. of all addicts. And um, because they have to turn to something, and um, especially when it's a child, they, you know, it, the developmental uh, stream has been interrupted. And so they don't even really know the right way to cope to cope because that's a huge thing like you were saying um you were being molested you were being um abused you know in many areas and um you were only five and so Mm -hmm. trying to learn how to cope with that plus the weight of having to carry the secret you know i know that was one of the hardest things when i was being abused uh the, the the fear of uh the threat that um, that it could actually come true was enough to keep me quiet for many years, you know. Yeah. And so I can definitely understand, um, you know, where you, what what you were feeling as a child. And so when that when that again that development is interrupted, our coping mechanisms or even our uh, survivor skills, um, you know, we can only do with what with what we know. And so, um, you know, I, I, again, I, I, I applaud you for surviving that, all of that, you know, um, and that you can actually reflect back and not have bitterness and hate because that is, you know, cancerous. So, um, yeah. so I applaud you for all of that. Oh, thank you. It, yeah. it, it wasn't such an easy road of being applauded in. I to go back to that time frame, I mean, now that God has literally taken me from the pit of all hell mm-hmm. to coming out and being that victory and having the victory in him has made me the person I am today. So, but going through the whole process of being in the game, getting out of the game, having a hit out for you and going through those emotions on the streets you do become in survival mode, and I don't think I ever got out of survival mode for a long time. Um, going forward with it, it was more of a um, an emotional ride. I, I locked my emotions away. Um, I never cried. I oh, never wow. said self-pity me. I never was one that would show those emotions unless mm-hmm. I wanted something. I wasn't mm-hmm. the best of person, so... I lived on the streets here for that time period until I was about from 13 until I was about 14 and a half. Mm-hmm. I was and turning 15. If, I, can, if uh-huh. I am able, I, I'm going to um, ask you to bookmark it right there. We have to take a quick yep. station identification break. And, um, and then I want you to, uh, you know, go ahead and, and pick up where you left off. Okay. So everybody, please keep your cheeks in the seats. We'll be right back in two minutes. Sadly, today, most of us know at least one person that suffers from addiction or substance abuse. 
Addiction does not discriminate. No age, gender, race, or classes of people are immune to the horrors of addiction. This epidemic has ruined families, claimed lives, and left loved ones devastated. Over 100 people die from overdoses daily, and over 20 million Americans suffer from some form of addiction. For this reason, author Lloyd H. Bell Jr. has written the book Clean and Serene. The author is an addictions counselor and recovering addict of over 13 years. He knows and has first-hand experience of being caught in the grips of addiction. Clean and Serene provides experience, strength, and hope for the still-suffering addict. It can also be used as a tool in recovery. Whether it is used in a group setting or individually, this book was written to assist in the recovery process and encourage. Integrating inspirational, encouraging, and challenging scriptures, the author has provided a resource that is sure to change lives. If you or someone you know is battling with addiction, this book is for you. If you are in recovery, this is a great resource to add to your toolbox. If you are a group leader or addictions counselor, this is an awesome book for group therapy. Clean and Serene. Scriptural Meditations for Recovery is available nationwide in both ebook and print. Get your copy or a copy for some you know today from Amazon or Barnes & Noble Bookstore. For less than $10, you can potentially change the life of someone currently paying the high cost of living with an addiction. Welcome back to I Rain Block Up Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bell. Like he said, welcome back to the Irene Blog Talk radio show, um, powered by We Inspire Network Radio. Me, again, I am your host, Minister Annie Bell. I do want to tr- um, issue a trigger warning for survivors who are listening in tonight. Um, please do not suffer alone, first of all. Um, if you're unable to recover from it quickly, I urge you to connect um contact someone who is able to help you. I don't know if you're working with a therapist or a counselor. Um, if you have a friend that you can reach out to, uh, there, you know, connect with someone, I urge you to. Also, we do uh, have prayer available on Thursday nights at 930. And, of course, you can always connect with me or my team on Facebook um, and Instagram and um, what is that? In, uh, what is that? The Twitter so, you know, look us up. We're there for you. Uh, our number for the prayer line is 530-881-1212. Access code is 225-184-078. If, you, if I read that off too fast, just look down on the uh, slideshow that is provided for you, and there is um, a graphic there for that information. Now, again, you're not by yourself. Don't feel alone. Please reach out. For help. We are back with Rebecca Begay, who is a survivor of not just sex trafficking, but abuse and um, in, in many different facets. So welcome back. Uh, thank you for not only staying tuned, but, you know, surviving such a past. Um, Rebecca, thank you. Yes. Now, um, oh. before you before you start, I did want to ask you. We did a show last week on survival sex, 
Uh, and those are for basically it was for the teens who uh, ran away. And, um, and we know that sometimes 10-year-olds and 9-year-olds run away as well. So those who are out in the streets and do not have a means of uh, supporting themselves, they have to turn to giving sexual favors to get things like food and somewhere to live. Now, is that something that you had to do during that time, or did the gang have a place for you to uh, stay, and did they provide food? Um, so after, cause the game life didn't last for very long after the man that in like when I went into the gang, he actually was murdered when we went to California. So that's where he was actually initiated into was in California. So he took me to California for the six months that we were there. Mm-hmm. So when I returned back to Billings by the cops, that's when I just went back to the streets and didn't have the gang life anymore. So I had people that wanted to say that I had, like, I was theirs and they owned me. So it was hard. Like, I got beat up a lot. Mm. Um, I would fight all the time. And I found a home that took me in and gave me, like, gave me, like, I lived with them for a while. So I was a family to a family. Does that make mm. sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I lived with them for about six months until I got really, really high back into the drugs. And they told me that I had to pick between doing the things that I was doing, which was selling drugs and doing the drugs and sleeping for drugs, or I could live this life and be able to get off the streets and have a family. And I didn't know how to take that. So I picked the drugs because that was the only thing that was making me feel like I was actually loved. It was like I fell in love with drugs. Like I became so overwhelmed with the feeling that I never wanted to have an actual true ounce of sobriety in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so for for the addicted, the drug is something that almost works. It almost makes you forget about the pain. It almost makes you... Uh, feel like you could actually cope and live life, but uh, it never really works, you know. Um, And so that's part of its addictive character as well. So is that when the whole uh, victimization of uh, sex trafficking happened with you? No. I actually got, after I had left that place that they had offered me to stay and to become a family Mm -hmm. member and to do all of that. I actually ran from there and was on still on the streets in Billings and got into trouble and found myself in real big debt with one of the biggest drug crime people here in Billings, which back then wow. wasn't like how Atlanta was, but it was still, I got in trouble with him and he actually put a hit out for me. So I ran from that what? and I, yeah, we met a, a boy. So to go back into that time frame, what had happened was I stole from him. So instead of selling the drugs, I did the drugs. Yeah. So I'm so mm-hmm. addicted to drugs. So I was addicted to methamphetamine back then. And I found myself, instead of giving it and, you know, having people purchase it for me, I was shooting it up and smoking it. Wow. Mm-hmm. So 
I took his money. I took what he was making off of me, and he owned me. So in a way, you can say it was sex trafficking, but it wasn't. It was more mm-hmm. of labor trafficking. And now that I know what labor trafficking is and I know what sex trafficking is, back then you would have never thought of those things. You just right. were owned by these people. So I ran from that, and my brother, for some reason, caught wind of my problems. And that's my older brother. And he had called me and said that my sister Shanna was going back to Atlanta, Georgia. And I could go with her. And my mom gave the permission for me to go and to try to get my life back on track. So I took the opportunity. In my eyes, it was a big city. And I was going to have fun. Um, in Jasper, Georgia. And so we moved out there and I lived with her for about six months to only find out that she was pregnant with another man's baby and her husband didn't know about it. So, but I did. So he, to make this story not so long, because that one would be a long story to go through. Pretty much it was like a soap opera. Like Uh I was the person that knew about it. He didn't like that I knew about it. So he beat me up. And kicked me out of his house. Oh, my God. And little did I know, I knew, but little did they know, I was pregnant when I had went to Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, my gosh. He, I did a lot of drugs with him in the time frame, and I knew I was pregnant. I didn't want the baby. I was then Mm -hmm. going through more emotions as a young mom to be, and no dad. Didn't know who the father was. So I ended up having a miscarriage because of the things that I did to myself and then also with wrath of him picking me up. So I then again, once again, feeling ashamed of who I was and feeling like I had no family, I left again. I moved in with some people that lived across the street from my sister in Jasper. They got a place for me out in Jasper, out in the hills. I worked for Ingalls and Wendy mm-hmm. and um, tried to get my life back on track again. I wasn't on too many drugs, but I got bored. And so there was a hotline that used to come on the commercials all the time at the house. And mm-hmm. I jotted down this number because I had a phone at work and I called this hotline. And I met people um, all through Georgia. Um, I met a lot of men. And I began to have sex with them, to just have feelings. Like, I just never knew how to deal with myself, so Mm -hmm. I had to find something that made me feel good. Hmm. So that became what I started doing. My sister um, reached out back to me and asked me if I could move to Canton, Georgia with her. And she told me and promised me that the world, like their household had changed and Bobby, my brother-in-law at the time was different. Um, So I moved with her thinking that I was going to have a family only to find myself being the maid of their house and taking care of their kids. Wow. Um, After living in their cold basement, and being treated like Cinderella, I called the hotline again to find somebody that could give me love. And now, when you say the hotline, 
I'm thinking it was a hotline for, you know, like crisis help or rape help, but you were calling this hotline to get hooked up. Is that what I'm saying? Understanding? Like, you know how they have the dating sites now? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So like 15, 16 years ago in Georgia, <laughs> they used to have this hotline that would pop up on the like TVs and it would uh-huh. say, call one eight eight da 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 and find yourself a mate is what it oh used my. to say. Uh-huh. And I was intrigued. I was like, Well, I'm really bored and I'm a teenager. I'm fifteen, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, I wanna have fun. And wow, okay. That's, that's, so I'm glad I'm glad I, I clarified that because I'm thinking, okay, what in the world? What kind of hotline? But I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> well, <what> you <laughs> So you called the hotline again. I did. And I actually met a man who at the time was my knight in shining armor in a way. He Mm -hmm. came and picked me up and he was a gentleman. Um, He showed me that he had lots of nice, pretty cars. Um, He had money. Um, He took me out to lunch, dinner, breakfast. It didn't matter. Whatever I wanted. He bought me clothes. Um, he did dance classes for me. He just was that person that was into who I was, and I never felt that before. Mm-hmm. So I fell in love with him. He met my family. He met my niece and my nephew at the time, my sister's kids. He even sat down with my my sister, and they had lunch together. Um, and we just dated for six months. It was like six months of bless. Wow. Until one night. And that one night was the starting of my pure hell. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to, you know what, I'm, I'm going to put my um, audience on a cliffhanger right here. Uh, if you okay. will allow us to take another brief break. And then we'll be right back to hear about this uh, hellish night. Two minutes, everybody. Hello, everybody. My name is Minister Annie Bell, and I am the host of Irene Blog Talk Radio Show, where we endeavor to bring talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas as well as being the vehicle by which we use to bring awareness and resources to the community to aid in the prevention of these abuses. IRAIN, which is a declarative acronym for the individual survivor, that means I, I identify myself as a survivor, no longer a victim. R, reclaim my life. E, excel at living. G, grow in Christ, and N, nurture myself and others. This declarative acronym has developed into a victorious lifestyle brand that empowers and aids in the healing journey of survivors of abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas. I have also written a book entitled, with the namesake, I Reign, A Survivor's Guide to Thrive, which is now available at Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. Pick up your copy of my book today and join me every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. here on We 
Inspire Network Radio, where together, through God, we win. If we endure, we will reign with Christ. Welcome back to I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bell. Thank you, everybody, for sticking in there and staying with us. I am Minister Annie Bell, the host of I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show. And as you know, it is powered by We Inspire Network Radio. Uh, Wealth Management Ministries is the 501c3 nonprofit organization uh, that we are an outreach of, and we endeavor to bridge the gap between the rich and the poor through the teaching of financial literacy and Christian counseling. We have launched our virtual Christian coaching and counseling center. Um, so if you're needing some wealth coaching, life coaching, or Christian counseling sessions, we are opening, uh, have slots available starting in 2017. Our 2016 slots have already booked up that quickly. So uh, give us a call at 201-477-0469 and, um, to get your uh, session booked today. Now, again, just wanted to thank uh, Rebecca Begay, who is our guest today, uh, for uh, coming on the show and telling us about her journey from uh, victim to victor. Rebecca, thank you again for staying with us. Yes. Okay, and I think we left off where you were telling us about your, uh, the you know, you had just been wined and dined and just been, um, you know, t- just taken care of and you fell in love with this person that you thought was your knight in shining armor, but you said you were at this one night, which uh, I guess was the day that your hell began. Could you go ahead and tell us about that? Yeah, so... As I had a friend in Georgia that used to take care of me as like a big brother, and he brought me down to Atlanta, and we met um, my boyfriend at that time. We met him at a restaurant, and he had told my friend it was okay, and everything will be okay, and she'll be great, and we'll call you in a couple of days. She's just going to hang out, and everything will be okay. He reassured him, and of course, my friend was like, Becca, I just don't think that this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I laughed at him and said, no, he's not going to hurt me. We're going to go and party for a couple of days. It's going to be great. He's got big plans. And sure, he had big plans. Um, I got to the house that we were going to. I thought we were supposed to go to a restaurant, but he had other plans, and he took me to a house, and it was a house party. There was other females there, and there was guys there, and I was like, okay, well, we're just going to have fun and party. Um, So I sat down, and, you know, I rolled a blunt, and I started drinking, and we were just having fun, and I was laughing. And these girls, they they were different. Like, I never told anybody this, but I started having these kind of, like, memories back into my past lately and I just remember the night so vividly that it's been hard for me to talk about but I'm ready to now so it's really cool what God's been doing in my life but Mm, these girls normal and they were very shy with me um of course I was really outgoing and ready to party and I was loud and obnoxious it was great because that's how I used to be and I haven't changed because I'm still (laughs) loud and obnoxious but 
um, in a good way. <laughs> yes, in a good way now. Uh, so he brought, Bo had brought me, that was my um, boyfriend's name. He brought me into the kitchen and told me and reassured me that he loved me and that everything was going to be okay. And he had something that I needed to do for him though. And I was like, okay, anything, I would do anything for you. I love you. And he reassured me that it was going to be all good and that everything was going to be fine after it was done. And we would still remain the same as boyfriend and girlfriend. And I said, well, what are you talking about? And he told me that I, he had, customers that wanted to sleep with me and I told him I I told him no I wasn't going to do that and then he reassured me that if I didn't do it he was going to kill my family oh my gosh and I then proceeded to say you know you wouldn't do that I argued with him I argue with everybody so I argued with him and he goes I'm not joking Becca, you you will do this, or I will kill them. And he goes, and you won't be going back to your family after this either. Oh, my God. And I looked at him, and I got scared. I'm not (laughs) going to lie. This was the first time. I mean, I went through a lot up to this point, but for some reason, like that gut-wrenching feeling of, you're going to take everything away from me? I've never had that happen. So. (laughs) I mean, in a sense, I have, but not where I haven't been able to get out of it. And I looked around to see on what was around me, and he goes, I wouldn't think about it. And I knew at this point that I had no other way. So I stuck it out, and I had seven guys come in and have sex with me. Oh, my God. And he laid there next to me telling me and reassuring me that this is the thing that's going to happen, and I needed to pretty much buck it up and suck it up, or my family, they were going to die. So you were 15. I was 15, yep. Wow. Wow. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're okay. Kind of made my head go back to, yeah, anyways. Yeah. So as I, and if you need um, to take a, t- a moment, we can. I, I, I know sometimes yeah. uh, talking about it. So you just you just give me the word, and we'll throw a commercial on real quick, okay? I I will give you the word. Um, <laughs> so I <laughs> I went through the emotions of it. Um, mm-hmm. After our, they were done, I wasn't the same. Like sure. The the feeling that you have after. You watch them pay mm. him to, to sleep with you, you feel dirty. Wow. You feel ashamed. You feel like, how did you get into this mess? Mm-hmm. And how are you going to get out of this mess? Um, I then became very numb. Um, I never had ever done so many drugs that night. Um, my, there was bruises on my neck. I was bleeding out of my private areas. Um, they they beat me, like Jesus. bad beat me. So, mm-hmm. and it was like they just got up and walked away like nothing, and yeah. they didn't care. And so, um, the emotion through that night was the hardest. 
Mm-hmm. After that, I became very numb. Um, I then became their recruiting officers. What they called me was I was the recruiting person. So I would go out and recruit girls. Um, I was high marketed back then because I was 15. And when you're 15, wow. you're more expensive than what it would be for an 18-year-old. That's right. Um, people pay more for 15-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 12-year-olds and all of that. So I became his money bag. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a lot of money going in. I recruited a lot of 14 and 15-year-olds. Um, I had the face of what he said, an angel, that people would come to me and I could get them to understand and to want to be what I was doing. And really, that's not what they did. They just took the girls after I lured them in. Um, I became friends with a lot of these girls. I mean, you do life with them. You watch them have to go with a guy that they don't want to go with, but they have to have that face of, I'll do anything for you. Mm-hmm. So going through those emotions of watching us all go in and out of rooms and being together was emotionally and physically draining. Um, I was dehydrated a couple of times. I mean, there's, I mean, your body just never recuperates. That's right. That's right. So I guess the, the, the one thing that I want to, that I would want to clarify, like go through would be the memory of one thing that happened and I tried to block it out and I just, I never could. And I didn't know why I kept having these dreams of this girl. And now I know why, but there was one close friend of mine and I watched her pretty much get murdered. Oh my God. And so that was the biggest struggle for me in my time with trafficking during that time. Um, to look like what people would say now, what a prostitute, those ugly prostitutes, you know, not trying to laugh, Mm -hmm. but do portray that as a word that doesn't need to be brought up to because Mm -hmm. I know that some girls look trashy because they don't know how to keep themselves up and that's because of the drugs that they're doing. Right. So I started to look the part as that drug girl that didn't look right and people stopped purchasing me and my regulars stopped coming around. So both sold me, sold me. Wow. Another trafficker. And do you know how and much he sold you for? Yes, I went for $5,000. Hmm. And, you know, um, sex trafficking is big business, you know, uh, the the nuts and bolts of it is the the uh, the, the reselling because unlike gun trafficking and drug trafficking, uh, selling the body of a person is uh, is a commodity that just doesn't run out. So you can resell, sell them over and over and over again uh, to the uh, not only the highest bidder but the highest bidder the the Johns that come around, and so. Um, I believe it is like a $290 billion business around the world. Um, it is quickly mm-hmm. becoming the number one um, world crime. And 
it mm-hmm. is horrendous and heinous. It's nature, the nature of it. Um, because like, like you were saying, you know, the uh, so-called boyfriends are, are turning their girlfriends, um, you know, turning them out. And um, the amount of Johns that they have to service is unreal. And at that age when you're so young, so we're, uh, you know, the, we're talking about, again, statistics around the world, four-year-olds having to sell their bodies up to 20 to 40 times a night. Uh, and I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a grown woman. And, mm-hmm. you know, one time a week is, is good enough for me. But to think that, you know, you have uh, this baby who has to do this for, you know, upwards of 20 times or more a day is unfathomable. And then you look at the girls who, um, whose private parts are almost mutilated um, and some of them can't have children ever in their lives because uh, of the damage that is done to their reproductive systems. So it, it, it's sad yeah. physically, spiritually, and um, mentally it annihilates the person. And um, yeah. again, that's why it's such a big deal, Becca, that you have survived. It is such a big deal that you are here to be able to speak about it and to, um, you know, be able to uh, help others to turn around and be an illuminator and uh, light the path for other other people. I'm going to go ahead and skip this last um, commercial break because um, there's so much to still to cover of your life, and I want to make sure that we do that. So I'm going to um, to skip that. I'm just going to make a quick. Uh, announcement that for those who are needing to uh, have some uh, advertising space, uh, we do advertise on our show as well as on our WIN network. Uh, We Inspire Network Radio, so please give us a call, 201-477-0469. We are here with Rebecca Begay, who is a survivor of a heinous crime of sex trafficking and um, you know, when I say survivor, I mean she lived through hell. Um, now, Rebecca, how? Tell me, um, how did you finally escape sex trafficking? Yeah, so that story—it's uh, so crazy when you think about it now. Um, so, as I was being sold to another trafficker and going through that emotions, there were so many people in the midst of all of that. I mean, I wanted to say one thing. Just know that if people are buying, they are not people that look like they're grungy. They can be cops, they can be lawyers, they can be yes. any of those in, na- in that nature. And I yes, was purchased a cop. So that was one thing. And he that's one story that I will hold on mm-hmm. to. Now, not all, and I'm not saying not all law enforcement's bad. But you mm-hmm. do have your bad apples in those. And so Certainly. I just be be cautious. And if you are out there, I don't know, my heart just really goes towards, you know, helping in any kind of way that I can. So, but the way that I was able to run from human trafficking, sex trafficking, I was sold to my next trafficker. And that's where I was at. And they brought me to this house. I had a... Um, 
a sheet over my head. It was black, of course, and it took us a half hour, and I got to where I was familiar with, and that's East Point, Atlanta. And I was then sold to an older gentleman who was in his 60s, and I became his pet. That's what he called me, was his pet. Mm -hmm. Um, I became his, his. So he did what he wanted to do that day. Um, I mean, I can go if I need to into detail. It was really just, you know, normal sex of Mm -hmm. what he wanted. He then told me that I needed to shower up and get ready for the night. So I went into the shower and I literally burnt my skin to freezing my skin. I didn't want to get out. Um, Mm. I felt betrayed by Bo because he, he sold me and I couldn't believe the things that I did for him in that sense. Back then, that's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Because when you agree to something, you agree to that person even if I slept with so many people. And that's what's so crazy when I see other victims or people that don't want to talk to authority is because Mm -hmm. they're so attached to their trafficker. And I know that feeling. He's always attached to him. But he broke that bond and he broke that way between me and him and sold me. So I Mm. felt very gross about who I was, like he didn't Mm -hmm. want me no more, things like that. So as I was in the bathroom and as I was taking, I was doing more drugs. I had always drugs on me and I did a shot of cocaine. And for some reason that day I felt the Lord. Mm. And that's the only thing I can think of because he put it in my head that it was okay and that I needed to run and that I had family and no matter what my sister did, she was still family and that I was still loved. And I just felt that spirit that I needed to leave. I didn't know how, but I knew I wasn't going to have sex anymore. I knew I wasn't going to do this for the rest of my life and I wasn't going to die having sex. Yes. So really I took what would be the bullets because they would shoot you if you left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was like okay I'm going to take the bullet I'm not going to die having sex and I'm going to I proceeded to go outside the bathroom and I approached a man and I said do you want to go outside with me and he said yes which I've never been given that opportunity in the whole time I was always with somebody or you know always with girls but Mm -hmm. he was still with me he had his, you know, he was armed. And I told myself, I said, okay, let's, you know, go outside. And we went outside and I was smoking with him. And he got distracted and somebody called him from inside and he turned his head and I ran. Wow. And I was wow. running down the street. They were chasing me and I was running. And I dodged the bullet down an alley turned again down another alley and I could hear them coming and the only thing I saw was a garbage can and I jumped in the garbage can and I put garbage all over the top of me I barreled myself all the way to the pit of the garbage and I sat there Jesus and I and I waited for two hours and 
after I didn't hear any more rustle and bustle on the outside, I felt as if I was okay to get out. I jumped out of the garbage can and headed towards the train station. That was a couple of blocks down from there. Um, I got to the train station. I had people ask me, are you okay, ma'am? Are you okay? Um, I didn't talk back. I didn't know how to talk to them without, you know, I didn't know if they wanted to purchase me. That was the thing that was in my head. So I kept quiet and a couple helped me with some money and I got on the train. I had my backpack still with me and that backpack had, you know, drugs in it and things that I had for my possession, which that backpack, actually the things inside of it got stolen on the train. Um, I got downtown Atlanta um, by the boulevard and they, I went out and I started to walk up the street. I saw a coffee shop and I saw a payphone and I called my friend that dropped me off four months previous to that. Wow. And that all happened in four months. I swear, sitting in here, I'm so, um, what's the word? I'm so tense and I'm frightened. I was frightened for you. I mean, I felt every step of your run in my heart. My heart is so sad about what you went through. But I am so thankful today that you made it. Um, and I'm sorry, you're okay. I'm sitting here crying, but I'm just so thankful. <laughs> I was of, crying, um, like, just had tears <laughs> coming down the face. I can talk. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, so you, okay, let me get myself together. So you got away, and like I yes. said, I could feel every step of your run. Um, I tell you, your story needs to be a movie. Uh, all that you went through in that in that four months, um, it's like you lived a lifetime. And um, and I just praise God that you made it. Uh, we only have a few more minutes. I probably should have d- did this as a two-hour special. Um, and I'm going to have to bring you back on um, because, uh, you know, I, I, I hate having to skip over so many things. But um, it's okay. tell me quickly, how did you – put your piece, the pieces of your life back together. I know God had a huge intricate part, part of it, but yes. what, what were your, you know, one, two, three steps that you did? And this is so that whoever is out there hearing it, you know, that they can possibly be able to put those practical steps to use. Um, and I like the yes. first thing you said was run, even if you have to dodge those bullets and go ahead. But yes. what, 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 what other things did you do? So God has been so thankful. I mean, I've just, I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for everything that he's done in my life. There's not a day that I don't say thank you to him. Um, God was looking out for me in ways that I didn't even know. Yeah. He'd been there all along, and I knew that. Um, the roaring sounds of my crazy life that was happening, and I turned a deaf ear to him, but he still whispered to me. So if you mm. hear that small whisper, you need to follow it. You need to yes. listen to him and find him. Yes. I I know I was broken free from my traffickers. It wasn't just one. I went back to that hotline. You will make a mistake and you will go back to it because whatever is drawing you in, because the devil works that way, he will mm-hmm. take you back in. And that's a whole nother story. Another crazy night that happened to me. I was then brought back in. 
horrible because I made the decision to call that hotline again after I got out the first time. I didn't know how to change my life. So I actually, um, the darkness had, the darkness of the devil literally devoured me in many ways as a child. But as I have now learned to grow in God these last five years, I've dedicated my life five years ago, and I would never not make that decision ever, like, ever take it back. Because what he's done in my life has been so amazing. I haven't Mm. stopped loving Jesus. Um, He's never stopped loving me. He's been there through my whole life. Um, My and my my heart has been, if I can sum it up in a second, husband, I am married. I've been married since I've been out of trafficking. I went to Job Corps, changed my life around. He really helped me in everything that I could say. He got me off the drugs. He, he showed me love that I've never felt before from a man. Um, God knew the guy that he was going to pick for me, and that is my husband. Um, He was gentle with me. He never overstepped his boundaries. I overstepped my boundaries big time with him because I Mm -hmm. didn't know to be, but he was gentle and honest with me. Um, I told him right away what happened to me, but I didn't use sex trafficking back then. I told him that I was a prostitute and that I had been with many men, Um, but he still loved me through that. There was a scare that I might have had AIDS. I can say that now I am clear and like clear of any diseases. There is nothing. God was looking out out for me then too. Um, The success of my life has been amazing. Six months ago, I decided to do a mission in my life and I started a ministry, which is called Mm -hmm. Awakening Hope. It is created. It is a creative network of support to care for victims of human trafficking. Awakening Hope has partnered with somebody up here who's called the Her Campaign and we are working together on opening a safe house here in Montana in the year 2017. Um, I also work with the FBI task force here to help them understand what it is to deal with a victim and then also a survivor. I also have joined with many partners around Montana and of course the United States. Um, I do love all of the the survivors I have met, they have been a big blessing in my life. Um, their stories impact me as well my, as my story impacts them. We we feed off of each other, I swear. Um, <laughs> I do have a lot of things that are happening, and I am going to be writing a book. There is also um, a documentary. When you said movie, it's so funny because I do have somebody that is filming me. <laughs> what? Amen. Yes. So when you said movie, I was like, oh, God is so faithful. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. Because yeah, he, he I know. And we're faithful. actually going to um, film the rest of my story. And I'm so blessed by these people that have been put in my life by God. Um, I also am holding what is called a candlelight visual in honor of victims whose lives couldn't escape the dark mm. world of human trafficking. Yeah. Um, and that will be January 14th, which is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. And my mission statement is I just want to be able to give education to the youth and talk to the survivors and the victims of human trafficking and really give them the hope behind their, their stories that they can be that person. Amen. How can they get in touch with you? I've got about 20 seconds. 
Okay, so you can email me at Awakening Hope. It's A-W-A-K-E-N-I-N-G, and then hope is H-O-P-E, and then M-T at gmail.com. Great. Listen, thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us and share with us your story. Um, let's stay in touch, and hopefully we can do some work together as well. Ah, amen, and I, I'm excited to meet you. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm in Atlanta, so don't yes. forget to look me up. All right, I now. Um, <laughs> amen, amen. All right, everybody, it is wisdom to rain time. When it rains, soar above the clouds. Um I was on a trip one day and I was looking at this beautiful sky, but underneath me, it was raining. So when you soar above your circumstances, there's peace of God for you. To make a donation or get in touch with me or my team, please go to www.wealthmngt.org or anniebellministries.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, I Rain, Stop Abuse and Abolish Sex Trafficking. You can also find me on YouTube, I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show. Subscribe so that you won't miss a beat. Lastly, don't forget to pick up my book, I Reign, A Survivor's Guide to Thrive. So let's reign together with Christ. I'll see you next Tuesday at 8 p.m. God bless you all. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.